Are we burying or hiding our commitment to justice or the way that we're talking about justice? We have to check if we're doing DEI for real, DEI in a robust way, or if we're doing DEI light. If you do DEI with an original recipe rooted in justice and rooted in repairing harm, you won't have to go back and fix it later to make it feel right to those for whom the DEI was for. to A Recipe for Transformation with Krista Wilson, a podcast that helps build unique recipes to translate dignity and caring into equitable, inclusive, and anti-racist behaviors in the workplace, helping you transform them into ones that create an environment that fosters dignity, humanity, and respect for all your employees. Because leading transformations that stick require more than just knowing the words. It's about understanding why we are doing what we do and putting people first. A few months ago, I ordered my favorite lemonade from a delivery company. And the shopper sent me a message and told me that they were out of my favorite lemonade I always get from this company, but they could substitute it for a pink lemonade. And reluctantly, I accepted the substitute. And so the delivery company brought me four quarts of this pink lemonade that I had never tried before. A few weeks later, on a really hot day, I cracked open this pink lemonade and poured it into a tall glass filled with ice cubes for what I thought was going to be the most refreshing glass of lemonade on what was possibly the hottest day of the summer. And I took the biggest just gulp of this lemonade. And let me tell you, it was horrible. (laughs) It was absolutely horrible. And it wasn't because it was just a pink lemonade, because I think pink lemonade's probably just food coloring, right? It was because the taste was just off. I mean, it looked like the regular lemonade that I got, except for the fact that it was pink. It had lemons on the label. And the taste of it, it, it had like a lemon-esque taste. You know, I could tell that this was made in the vicinity of where lemonades was made, but it wasn't quite lemonade. I mean, this, this stuff was not good. It was, it was pretty bad. And I tried to just muster down sip by sip of this drink, but I honestly, I couldn't. This was not good. And so I just poured the rest of it down the drain. A couple months later, I had a party. And what do you do for an outdoor pink theme party? You serve pink lemonade. And so I saw the three quarts of lemonade in my cupboard. And I thought, maybe my taste buds had been off those weeks ago. And so I tasted the lemonade again. And sure enough, it was was still pretty bad. And this time I looked at the label and I see pink lemonade on the label. And then right above it in small font, I see diet. And then I realize this is why this lemonade does not taste great. 
It all makes sense now. This wasn't the lemonade that I loved, which was just the right combination, like a real lemon of tart and sour and sweet. This was something else. It was in the neighborhood of a lemonade, but just a bad street. (laughs) What I knew, though, is that I could probably fix this lemonade, but I was going to have to get creative. So I went to get some lemons. I cooked down some strawberries to make a strawberry puree, you know, to keep the thing pink. And I doctored it up to make a really great tasting pink lemonade. And people loved it. I was able to fix it. But the fact of the matter was, this is kind of what you get when you get diet lemonade. You get a version of something that looks like the thing that you want. But when you taste it, when you really start to get up on it and close, it really is a pretty sorry substitute. Sometimes when our organizations are doing DEI, it's kind of like this diet lemonade. It might look good, but it doesn't quite feel or it's not experienced like the DEI we might be expecting. Someone on LinkedIn recently called it diet DEI, and that's what made me think about that lemonade, right? It looks like diversity, equity, and inclusion, but when we feel it, when we look at the impact of it, it is devoid of its justice roots. And so one of the things that we have to do if we're trying to do DEI in the spirit of its roots in the civil rights movement, it's it's roots in justice. We have to check if we're doing DEI for real, DEI in a robust way, or if we're doing DEI light, or as I said, doing diet DEI. One of the ways that we can begin to explore if our DEI is diet DEI is to start to look at the roots to start to look at the implementation and to start to look at the impact. You know, when I look at diet DEI that either my colleagues are doing, that I'm at risk of potentially supporting, or that my clients are doing, I start to ask this question. Are we burying or hiding our commitment to justice or the way that we're talking about justice? And sometimes the clients are confused with a question. And so, like I always do, I think about a story. So once my partner at the time had a dog, and the dog was pretty sick, and we had to give it medicine. So not ever having a pet, because my mom told me that we could only have a pet if it was smaller than a slice of bread. And now as an adult, I realize that we're There were some options for us, but at the time, that meant basically nothing but a fish. So I never had a dog to know how to give it medicine. So what I learned is if you want to give a dog, you know, a pill or several pills, the secret is that you have to put it in a piece of cheese and the dog won't know that you're giving it medicine, or at least our dog didn't. So we would take the pill or two and we would push it into a piece of cheese. And then the dog thought he's getting this treat. And it worked. 
we were hiding the thing that was good for the dog. But when it comes to DEI, we don't want to be hiding the thing that's good for our clients, the thing that's good for our staff to know. We can't do justice work when we have to hide it. It's important that people know that we're doing justice. It's important that people know that we're trying to mitigate or repair harm that's happened either in our organizations or in our community or society at large. Sometimes our work towards and for diversity, equity, and inclusion, it can hide the important and meaningful stuff. And we do that either intentionally because we don't think our leadership or our clients, they can take it. They might not like the language like anti-racism or you know, trans bias. I've had clients a couple of years ago and we were not allowed to say the words white supremacy or racism. And they would tell me, well, Krista, we can't talk about race because then it will be inflammatory. And I would say, well, then how can we talk about diversity if we can't talk about race? You're saying you want to have a more racially diverse leadership team. How can we not talk about race? They were trying to hide their racial inequity in the proverbial cheese. And that's diet DEI, because they weren't willing to tell the truth about why they were doing their diversity work and their inclusion work. Another thing that we see so often is that we are willing to hide behind our language So sometimes we'll say DEI because we're fearful of saying words like liberation or justice or anti-oppression. But the reason that we use those words is to explain that throughout history, and that means the history of our organizations or society, that certain people, because of our identities, have experienced harm, discrimination, or physical harm and even death. And so we're trying to acknowledge and repair what has happened to those people. But for others, it's hard to do that acknowledgement and to even lead into repair. And so we want to hide that into the DEI cheese. Do you feel like you're getting some amazing pearls of wisdom on this episode? At Wilson & Associates, our mission is to help folks like you promote dignity and care at work, to transform workplaces into ones that are equitable, inclusive, and anti-racist. We believe that it's more than knowing the catchphrases. This transformation requires understanding why we are doing what we do, doing it with integrity, and centering our humanity and joy along the way. This podcast is just one of the many ways we feed our mission. At Wilson & Associates, we help our partners create fun, supportive, and innovative spaces where our collective humanity is nurtured, our imagination is sparked, and we co-create recipes for advancing racial justice and equity. We know there's a well of information on DEI out there, and it can be a little overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. The simplicity lies in creating your own recipe for transformation. We aim to put humanity and dignity back into DEI and our workplaces so that we can create environments where each of us can thrive. 
So head over to our website at wilson-and-associates.com to find out more about how we can help you and your organization. You can take our self-assessment that can help you explore the different dimensions of DEI in your own organization and determine the best starting point to find your own recipe for transformation at DEIdiagnostic.com. You can find all our links in the show notes. And let's transform the face of DEI into the face of dignity together. I noticed for a lot of our clients, we often will know the kinds of tactics that we can use to help address the inequities that we see. So for example, it's very common now that we know that there's a pay inequity uh, around gender. And so you will see a very common diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy, which will be to do, say, a, a wage audit to see where there might be pay inequities and then to implement strategies to make sure that there is pay equity so that your gender does not dictate how much you are making. But what we don't often see is an interrogation of why certain groups are underpaid in our organizations. Because to do that is to start to ask questions about injustice and it's to start to move toward a conversation of repair. And that can be uncomfortable. It can be scary and it can be risky. But this is how you get into robust DEI conversations that are really rooted in the history of DEI. And that's really where the exciting work lives. And so if you want to go there, that's where the invitation is. And that's how you can ensure that you aren't doing that diet DEI. Something that I often see in organizations, and this is something that happens oftentimes we're not even aware of what happens. It is how when we're doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work, we often think about the tactics that we're doing, uh, the activities, the strategies, the investments that we can make, but we don't actually think about what has been the harm that we have created as leaders, what's been the harm that we have created with our policies. And so DEI becomes this future-focused strategy that we're implementing to create a better future, but we're not looking at the harms we created in the past. And that might be a barrier to us being able to do this great work in the future. And so I always talk to clients about what do we need to make right? That's actually one of the stages in my consulting framework where we talk about how can we make it right and what do we need to make it right? We also talk about How has our organization perpetuated oppression right here in the organization? Because we know that it's bound to happen. We might have policies or people in place right now that's creating harm for our staff. And that can show up in a number of different ways. For example, the MIT Sloan report that came out in January of 2021 talked about that nepotism where we hire people that we know or have relationships to perpetuates a lack of diversity in our organizations. And so for people with diverse identities who desire opportunities to to promote, to grow, to be mentored, they're not getting those opportunities. And so diversity stagnates. And so because of nepotism and affinity bias, we're actually perpetuating harm 
with our policies and with our, the way that we lead in our organizations. We also know that in our organizations right now, we have folks that are autistic, that are neurodivergent, that are disabled. And when we don't intentionally design our spaces and our cultures to be accessible for them, we make workplaces difficult for them and make it difficult for them to thrive. I had a conversation with an autistic and disabled person on LinkedIn the other day, and they asked me, Krista, does DEI include us, meaning autistic and disabled folks? And I said, well, it doesn't always, as I've seen from other practitioners and organizations, but it should. Because when it doesn't, we're perpetuating exclusion and harm. And then we're doing diet DEI because we're not including all people, particularly those who do experience exclusion, discrimination, and prejudice. We also know in our organizations by this point, we have staff that are transgender, non-binary, and gender fluid. And yet we still have gendered bathrooms. Or some of our organizations have only maternal leave for people that have children, even though there are multiple pathways to becoming a parent. And we also have fights in our organizations about things like gender pronouns being on email footers and on bios on websites. Another way in which culture and policies perpetuate harm, even in organizations that are moving a DEI agenda. And I've even seen and personally experienced, even as a consultant, that some of the most unjust organizations aren't, you know, stodgy corporations, but there have been organizations who've been leading justice work. And the way that that injustice has looked hasn't just been outright verbal assaults of aggression or slurs. It's looked like not paying staff of color on time or consultants for that matter. Staff have been dissuaded from taking rest breaks or been discouraged from taking their paid leave. It's looked like retaliation from providing feedback of how they've been oppressed or repressed at work. And it's also looked like having no pathway for advancement. Somehow, in some way, for staff with marginalized identities, where you find them only in the bottom rungs of the organizational chart. These are just some of the ways in which we're perpetuating harm at the same time we might have active diversity, equity, and campaigns going on in our organizations. And so what I always think about is when we're doing this diet DEI, it starts to look like we're more focused on the DEI tactics, the DEI marketing, than we are the justice that we say we're seeking and the repair of the harm that so many people have experienced that have required DEI in the first place. So we hire the chief diversity officer or we have the chief people officer add a DEI component to their work or we'll establish a DEI committee to lead some DEI strategies like creating a DEI plan or a DEI statement or we'll implement bi-monthly staff trainings. So we have these tactics in place that will do some good, but is the net effect that people who have experienced bias and prejudice, is there more harm reduction for them 
Is there more justice? Are we confronting the harm that has happened in this organization and the inequities or not? Are we taking a deeper look in our own mirror in our organization? Are we dismantling what has required DEI in the first place? Here's the thing. That diet lemonade that I had was able to be fixed when I added some lemon juice, some strawberry puree, and a little bit of love. But it required more time and more money than I would have preferred after I already made my initial investment. And the same thing can be said about doing diet DEI. If you do DEI with an original recipe rooted in justice and rooted in repairing harm, you won't have to go back and fix it later to make it feel right to those for whom the DEI was for. So what are you willing to risk to make sure your DEI isn't diet? Will you focus on repairing harms and leading meaningful actions? Will you commit to making your DEI robust and a full recipe? Because if you aren't, you may just find yourself in what I see all the time, an apology tour, apologizing to staff, to board, to shareholders, or to consumers about how you got it wrong this time, even if you didn't mean to, and how you'll try again, try a new recipe, and maybe this next time you'll get it right. Creating unique recipes for how people can experience dignity and also thrive at work is a mission that involves and requires all of us. If you felt moved to take action through this episode, I hope you'll subscribe and share this podcast with the people you know will benefit from it. You see, the more dignity and respect we can build into the workplace, the more we can create the kinds of environments that foster and celebrate our humanity. You can stay connected to and join us in this mission by visiting www.recipefortransformation.com. It's here you're going to find podcast episodes, resources to support your racial justice and equity work, and learn how you can hire my consulting firm to help leaders just like you build workplaces where people are treated with dignity, experience a sense of belonging, and have an opportunity to thrive. Every podcast episode and resource on the site will give you one more ingredient you can use to create your very own customized recipe for transformation for you, for those you work with, and your entire organization. This recipe is gonna help you create lasting change, more so than the old ways of DEI. We're counting on you to co-create the future that we need right now. Moving beyond the words, moving into purpose, and putting people first.